Hello world, this is Louis Malara, and welcome to the first episode of Useless Facts. Useless Facts is a show that's pretty straightforward. Give me a few minutes of your spare time, and I'll provide you with entirely useless knowledge. A question I am often asked is why did I come up with the idea of doing this show? Well, I have a strange addiction to useless knowledge, but no one ever seems to want to listen when I share it. And considering no one's probably listening to this since radio is dead and the podcast market is an oversaturated one, I figured I really had no way to embarrass myself and I'd really have nothing to lose. Alright, on with the show. Today, we're going to be talking about a ridiculous and tragic story that's been on my mind for a while. A story of a man you've probably never heard of, and the weapon he constructed to terrorize a small town over a zoning dispute. This real-life supervillain is Marvin Hemeyer, and this is the story of the Killdozer. Marvin John Hemeyer, born October 28, 1951, was an American welder and an automobile muffler repair shop owner. Hemeyer lived in Grand Lake, Colorado, about 16 miles away from Granby. According to a neighbor, Hemeyer moved to town more than 10 years before his incident. Hemeyer's friends stated that he had no relatives in the Grand Lake-Granby area. John Baltry, a friend of Hemeyer, said that Hemeyer was a likable person. Hemeyer's brother said he would bend over backwards for anyone. Most people describe him as an affable person. However, a few claimed to have gotten in some confrontations with him. Christy Baker claimed that her husband was threatened by Hemeyer after refusing to pay for a disputed muffler repair. Eventually, the couple paid him $124 via an intermediary. In 1992, Hemeyer purchased two acres of land from the Resolution Trust Corporation. He purchased the land for $42,000 to build a muffler shop. In 2001, the Zoning Commission and the town's trustees approved the construction of a concrete badge plant on the adjacent property. Hemeyer attempted to appeal the decision but was unsuccessful. For many years, Hemeyer had used the adjacent property as a way to get to his muffler shop, and the new plan for the concrete plant blocked that access. In addition to the frustration engendered over this dispute over access to his property, Hemeyer was subsequently fined $2,500 by the Granby Town Council for various violations, including junk cars on the property and not being hooked up to the sewer line. And now, my dear listeners, this is where our story gets interesting. Hemeyer leased his business to a trash company and was forced to sell his property several months before the official incident. You see, Himar had purchased a bulldozer two years before with the intention of using it to build an alternative route to his muffler shop, but city officials rejected his request to build it. And so, he decided to use his bulldozer for a very different reason. Notes found by investigators after the incident indicated that the primary motivation for his bulldozer incident was his plan to stop a concrete plant from being built near his shop. These notes indicated that he had held grudges over the zoning approval. I was always willing to be reasonable until I had to be unreasonable, he wrote. Sometimes reasonable men must do unreasonable things. Hemeyer took about a year and a half to prepare. In his notes, he wrote, It is interesting to observe that I was never caught. 
This was a part-time project over a year and a half's time period. Clearly, he was surprised that several men who had visited the shed late the previous year had not noticed the modified bulldozer, especially with a 2,000-pound lift fully exposed. Somehow their vision was clouded, he wrote. The machine used in the incident was a modified Komatsu D355A bulldozer fitted with makeshift armor plating covering the cabin, engine, and parts of the tracks. In places, this armor was over one foot thick, consisting of 5,000 PSI quick-rate concrete mix fitted between sheets of tool steel to make ad hoc composite armor. This made the machine impervious to small arms, fire, and resistant to explosives. Indeed, three external explosions and more than 200 rounds of ammunition fired at the bulldozer had no effect on it. For visibility, the bulldozer was fitted with several video cameras linked to two monitors mounted on the vehicle's dashboard. The cameras were protected on the outside by three-inch shields of bulletproof plastic. Onboard fans and an air conditioner were used to keep Heemeyer cool while driving, and compressed air nozzles were fitted to blow dust away from the video cameras. He had made three gun ports, fitted for a 50 caliber anti-material rifle, a 308 semi-automatic, and a 22 long rifle, all fitted with a half-inch thick steel plate. Heemeyer apparently had no intention of leaving the cabin once he entered it. Authorities speculated that he may have used a homemade crane found in his garage to lower the armor hole over the dozer and himself. Once he tipped that lid shut, he knew he wasn't getting out, Dolly said. Investigators searched the garage where they believed that Heemeyer built the vehicle and found cement and armor steel. Only Heemeyer died in the event, but afterwards the modified bulldozer came to be known as Killdozer. So here's what happened. On June 4th, 2004, Himeyer was angry over the zoning disputes and the other things that he thought the town were responsible for, the other grievances. He decides that, in the style of Dr. Robotnik, he's going to build this giant death machine tank thing and, like, terrorize the town. The rampage lasted two hours and seven minutes, and he damaged 13 buildings. He caused an estimated $7 million worth of damage. And luckily he didn't kill anybody. Now, a lot of people tried actually to defend him in the beginning using the, the, the idea that he was going out of his way not to kill anyone, even though he was like exacting his revenge on the town, that he wasn't doing anything to actually harm the people directly, just the town. Of course, the state didn't necessarily agree with that line of reasoning and defense for Mr. Heemeyer because, of course, he was shooting at propane tanks and other things that, when exploding, could like kill people nearby, so yeah, there's that. And, uh, honestly, there's not much more to this story. He, you know, got stuck in a wall and ended up taking his own life inside of the Killdozer. And it's interesting, actually, seeing the destruction that the Killdozer caused and the people's attempts at disabling it. I mean, it's actually kind of hilarious in a morbid way. I recommend watching the video on YouTube. Uh, just seeing police officers running around, throwing things at it, nothing happening. Um, one officer dropped a flashbang grenade down the bulldozer's exhaust pipe and, like, nothing happened. There's the SWAT team with occasional firing, but nothing really seemed to work. They, uh, <laughs> surprisingly, were trying to use an Apache attack helicopter at one point. Even an AGM-114 Hellfire missile, but... Um, that option was later deemed unnecessary because he got stuck in the Gamble's hardware store. So, 
yeah. So I'm going to go over one other additional part to this story, something that's kind of interesting and creepy at the same time. So in addition to writings that he left on the wall of his shed, he may have recorded a number of audio tapes explaining his motivation for the attack. He mailed these to his brother in South Dakota shortly before stepping into the bulldozer. Heemeyer's brother turned the tapes over to the FBI, who in turn sent them to Grand County Sheriff's Department. The tapes were released by Grand County Sheriff's Office on August 31st, 2004. They're about two and a half hours in length. The first recording was made on April 13, 2004. The last recording was made 13 days before the rampage. Basically, what Heemeyer ended up claiming was that God built him for a job, specifically this job, and also that it was God's plan that he not be married or have a family so that he could be in a position to carry out this attack. In fact, he was quoted saying, I think God will bless me to get the machine done, to drive it, to do the stuff that I have to do. He said, God bless me in advance for the task that I am about to undertake. It is my duty. God has asked me to do this. It's a cross that I'm going to carry, and I'm carrying it in God's name. So, investigators later found that he had a handwritten list of all the targets that he ended up destroying. Uh, and uh, actually, one of the targets was his local Catholic church, but he didn't damage it in the end. Um, and then he also wrote down a list of names of people who had cited against him in past disputes. It may have been people that he could have possibly been going after to take their lives. So unfortunately, the bulldozer was dismantled. It was taken apart for scrap metal, and it was spread to as many separate scrapyards as possible because apparently Heemeyer had a lot of admirers, and they wanted to uh, keep admirers from getting these souvenirs. An interesting piece of uh, art that was created as a result of this tragedy was the film inspired by the story of Heemeyer Leviathan. It's a Russian film. While the story is very different, takes place in Russia, it takes a lot of liberties in terms of what happened in the attack, it's interesting, uh, it might better paint a picture of what was going on in his film. Now, uh, some other similar stories I'd recommend in terms of useless knowledge that you can digest is the Jerusalem bulldozer attack and the story of Sean Nelson who went on a rampage in an M60 patent tank. Well, this has been a wonderful first episode of Useless Facts. I hope you learned a lot of useless information today that you can now bore your friends with or never talk about again. I'm Louis Malara, and thanks for listening.